Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning. We're recording today on Friday, the 25th of September. Um, it's a day after Rishi Sunak has unveiled his winter economy plan. Note, not a budget. That was um, cancelled earlier in the week. Um, we'll spend some of today's episode looking at the measures in a bit more detail, but mostly looking at what that might mean um, for, for the future and for our listeners in, in particular on the employment and confidence outlook for the coming months. Um, as we expected last week, we've had confirmation that the measures in the Corporate Governance and Insolvency Act regarding widening up provisions and statutory demands have been extended to the end of the year. Um, and we'll look at some of those other measures um, and the extensions. Um, and probably we won't have time, I don't think, to go into this in too much detail, but the company's house consultation document, which I think probably most of you will remember, was launched last um, summer. The response has finally been published. It was actually, as far as we know, finalised in about January this year, but there was a reshuffle and then COVID hit. Um, So it was only published last week. The headline and and the thing that's been picked up in most of the press announcements is on the verification of director ID, um, which was expected, frankly, even before the the response was was published. Um, And that's important because of the widespread fraud that is expected to to kind of come out in the wash of the Beeble's loans um, on the fact that very minimal checks were were done on um, on companies in an effort to get money into the economy. So I think that will be an interesting um, thing to pick up on. It's 97 pages long and I confess I have not studied it in great deal detail yet, but I promise I will do before next week and we'll look into that um, a, a bit more. Um, on the director ID issue there's something we really welcome um at company watch we, we actually launched our own aphrodite matching um algorithm to try and match company company directors at company's house that have multiple director numbers and try and, and put those links together um so we really welcome the the fact that this hopefully will mean that there's a lot tighter verification around individuals um and the last thing just to, to mention um before we dive in is that confirmation of the government credit insurance guarantee scheme and I realised that we hadn't actually confirmed that that is up and running. The original proposal was that the insurer would take 10% of the premium and be responsible for 10% of the loss and that actually didn't get through EU state aid rules. So the scheme now involves the government taking 100% of the premium but the insurer is still responsible for 10% of the loss. Now, not all credit insurers are participating and we can send a link to the ones that are, but it's really important to know that even if your insurer isn't on that list, it doesn't mean that they are not going to continue to, to insure it, just that they're for commercial reasons, they've taken a different, um, a different view. So that's, um, that's something to just be aware of. So Nick, where should we, where should we begin? Should we, should we look at Rishi's statement? Um. I, I, I tell you what. Um, let's start with the. Let's get the, the the grim detail out the way, or the or the the, the nerdy stuff out the way with the, um, the the extensions to the corporate insolvency and governance act. But before I do that, and at the risk mm. of being killjoy, um, you mentioned that it's the twenty fifth of September. So um, it's three months to the day to what's shaping up to be the oddest Christmas of my lifetime and many many others. Yeah. But 
Um, heaven knows what that'll look like, um, both socially and economically. Um, so let's look quickly at what they've done uh, on the Corporate Insolvency and Governance uh, Act. Um, the one that, uh, as an ex-insolvency practitioner, um, you would expect me to uh, pick up straight away is that whatever else they've extended, they haven't extended the prohibition on prosecution for wrongful trading. You know, that's interesting. That is that is a de- almost a de- deliberate omission, isn't it, really? I mean, that feels quite a deliberate act. Well, it's, it's, it's very interesting because, I mean, that hasn't happened by accident. And whether they've been getting a lot of pressure from... Um, from various sources, the insolvency world and uh, business groups, because the the trouble with the wrongful trading suspension was it, and it was it was meant to, but it it, it permitted people to carry on trading in what would otherwise have been considered to be a reckless fashion on the mm. basis they could excuse themselves because of COVID, yeah. and. Um, uh, it will come on to problems with companies continuing that shouldn't continue a bit later on. But um, this may be a trigger for larger numbers of insolvencies as more and more you know, insolvency practitioners will now be saying to company directors who are uncertain about whether they should continue to trade, they'll now be saying from the 1st of October, Sunshine, um, you are back at risk. Whereas yeah. you were before, so you need to think about it carefully. And we know um, that um, insolvency practitioners have had a lot of advisory work mm. um, at the moment. I've I've heard that from a number of sources. Yeah, I, sure I can confirm well. that from my from the firm that uh, that I help out from yeah. time to time. Um, they are sitting and waiting for the tsunami, and they've been they they found it really difficult to talk to directors of companies that are in real trouble and unable to say to them, well, you know, part of the armory of an IP. Um, advising trouble companies is to warn directors about their personal liabilities mm. for wrongful trading. So that's back on the uh, on the agenda. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, the extensions are um, statutory demands and winding up petitions are verboten until the 31st of December, mm-hmm. where a company's inability to pay is the result of the pandemic. Um, uh, also, the, the court has no jurisdiction to make a winding up order uh, now until the 31st of December. So all of that's um, being kicked along uh, the road until the end of the year. Yeah. Um, small business suppliers and the um, the, the, continuing, the the requirement to continue trading with insolvent companies um, exemption, that goes forward to the end of March. Again, we're going to come back to that. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's important to note that that the you have to as long as you have to continue supply as long as you're being paid according to the contract. Yes. yes. Pre, you can't renegotiate the contract. That's the point, isn't it? So as long as you're that's being paid, exactly you that. have to carry on. Have to, you have to continue to uh, yeah. to, <clears throat> to trade, and they've uh, kicked the landlord um, enforcement uh, prohibition can down the road as well to the end of December. Um, so there probably is going to be a cliff edge um, for tenants in rent arrears at the end of the year but maybe that'll be extended further i mean it's just so uncertain isn't it we we thought september you know was going to be the cliff edge and as that approached and and let's not forget you know i don't think we're going to talk very much about um the b word in this episode but of course that is also the um uh the new trading day isn't it of the uk eu indeed anyway so 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 all those temporary measures have been extended to one degree or another, either to the end of the year or to, or to the end of March. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before I get into the Rishi rescue package discussion, um, I also wanted to mention a rather startling uh, bit of news this morning that, and it's a real hint of the underlying problems that um, all those economists um, who still got their rose-tinted spectacles on keep missing, um, and it's the underlying problems in the economy. Um, the news this morning was that the UK automotive production in August fell by 44%. <gasps> wow. 44%, and, and the uh, announcement blamed it, quite rightly, on a complete collapse in new vehicle orders because the pent-up demand that uh, was unsatisfied during the lockdown has now been satisfied. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, at, at the risk of indulging in what you might call shapism, which we have tried to avoid, um, I'm starting to see W-shaped recovery graphs in my dreams mm. at night. So we'll we'll see what that uh, how that plays out in other sectors. But it's a real straw in the wind. That, that is quite that's quite an eye opener because I think we we talked I think we even mentioned might have mentioned that last week about the yeah we did automotive and the fact that there yeah. had been a, you know on the one hand there's a recovery on the other hand there's dire warnings about um, the positive no deal but actually to see that in August already yes you know, and that's before the internal market bill um, issues had, had and, and of course and of course given the importance of uh, automotive in, in GDP mm. that may well neutralise the the boost from the um the rishi dishi yeah eat out to help out it may do we'll see when that when those mm. numbers come out right let's talk about um our worthy chancellor as someone described him uh, yesterday on social media um, um who's this adult suddenly appearing in parliament <laughs> But anyway, uh, we, you know, we've all seen a mountain of analysis and comment um, mm -hmm. on the measures that he announced yesterday. So I don't really want to get into all of that, um, it, it, except I want to pick out a couple of things, well, maybe three. Um, I wanted to highlight that for all its good intentions, it will be absolutely no help, and maybe it's not meant to be, um, at all to a range of, of really badly um, challenged, imperiled sectors. I mean, I'm thinking about performing arts, mm -hmm. um, some parts of the hospitality uh, industry like event management, nightclubs, um, and uh, what's called the wet trade, um, you know, wet pubs and bars that don't serve food, mm -hmm. or at least nothing significant. Because at the end of the day, it's no good asking businesses with little or no revenues to hang on to staff who are going to cost them 55% of their wages out of money they yeah. don't have. So uh, that is, is, is highly likely to be deliberate, whether it's uncaring or whether it's just a nod to what the Chancellor referred to as the sort of permanent uh, change to the economy. We'll see. Yeah. There's also that really old glitch um, that I think I'm right saying says that it's 33% more expensive for employers to hang on to two half-time staff than to keep one full-timer. That's so right, isn't it? That's right. I think it's funny, isn't it? Because there was a lot of comment about this yesterday. I think that those were the first, that, that headline about, you know, it's actually more expensive to keep two people than one people. And then it comes back to this point about viability of jobs, doesn't yes. it? And the, and the calculation that, that employers are being asked to make to say, is it better to, to pay this premium now because it will save you when you come out the other end, it will save yep. you money on recruitment and training. Sure. But that's a very difficult, you know, even if intellectually, 
you know, employers might might know that that's the case. That's still a, a got a cash flow implication now coming on top of six months worth of um, stopped or reduced. Yeah, yeah, and, and the other the other thing, Joe, that people are worried about is that he's very much linked it. He said so very explicitly um, in Parliament, but also in the press conference he held at Downing Street afterwards. He's linking it. He's, you know, people were saying, yeah, but this won't make people keep keep staff. And, and he said, no, but if you do the numbers, if you add in the job retention bonus, it makes yeah. sense. Now, that tells me that we, we, you know, we've talked about cliff edges once already this morning. It looks to me like there's a cliff edge coming at the end of January mm. when the employers pocket the um, uh, the job bonus. retention bonus and then say bye yeah. to their staff. So um, we'll see. The, the The other thing that happened yesterday as part of this rescue package was the uh, variations and extensions and softening in various aspects of the uh, of the various loan schemes, C um, mm-hmm. bills, bounce back loans. My um, continuing take on this is that's absolutely great news for viable businesses, which will have more time to repay those debts over a longer recovery period for them. It's not going to help any of those unviable entities that took on debt they can never hope to repay, no matter how much more time you give them to repay it. So I don't think that's moved the dial on the um, predictions of of a a high percentage of those bounce back loans um, defaulting. Yeah, yeah. But what I really wanted to talk about, and we're in, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid Joe said I could, but I'm in rant mode now. <laughs> um, what I want to talk about was um, not the detail of, of, of what, of, of Rishi's pronouncements yesterday. It's the underlying theme, because I think, I may be wrong, somebody will correct me, this is the very first time any major politician has addressed an issue that I've been banging on about for years. It's the zombies that lurch around our business world. They ramp up debt. Mm-hmm. They run up uh, ever increases losses for their creditors and they distort competition. Now, just for those, I think regular um, listeners to our content will know what zombies are, but just for people who don't, do you want it to is, define I mean, my, zombie for me? My simplistic definition of a zombie um, is any company with a balance sheet in negative equity, i.e. Mm-hmm. with liabilities higher. And, and, and again, when I talk about this, I, I'm not talking about you know, the company with a couple of grand negative. I'm talking about, you know, 10 grand and up. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is absolutely not a technical issue, and nor is it a marginal issue. Sector after sector is plagued by worryingly high percentage of companies with negative balance sheets and unsustainable debt. Mm. Just to run you through a few of them, 9% of all construction businesses have negative balance sheets. Mm. 11% of retail care providers, sorry, residential care providers, mm-hmm. 18% of retailers, 27% of pubs, clubs, and restaurants, 28% of travel businesses. So I could go on. And this is, and, and let's be clear, th- these are figures that are pre-pandemic. Yes. So, so you know. If, what I wanted to flag here was that, you know, we're heading into the second phase of this crisis. Anybody with significant credit or supply chain risk with zombies needs to ask themselves why. Mm. And what is their plan B if these companies start to fail? 
in large numbers, which is clearly what the Chancellor yeah. now expects them to do. And, and exactly your point, Joe, remember that any information that, you know, that our listeners have about these companies is now wildly out of date. It's probably 2018 or early 2019 because of the delays in filing and then the extension to the delays in filing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would say, I suppose there again, and I've, I've, I've said this a lot of times, the COVID forecast score is still available to anybody who's got a subscription to our product. It's on there. And what we have tried to do is, is just forecast forward with those um, kind of mm. sector specific um, hits to yeah. various measures. And that is, it's super easy to, um, yeah. to use. You can do it for abbreviated, even though abbreviated accounts are more tricky. We've got a little guide about how you can analyze abbreviated yeah. businesses as well. So please, please, if there's any yeah. problems, get in touch with us and we'll help you. But do look at that. Yeah, because you see, my point is, if they were zombies or if if they were in the company watch warning area, based on their financial statements yeah. from before the pandemic, what on earth do they look like yeah. now? Because, you know, very, very few of them will have improved finances mm. since then. There will be just some tech sectors. And, you know, we've got some sectors that perhaps do look a little bit better. But you're right, yeah. Nick, I think on yeah. the whole. Um, so so what I what I really wanted to say and at the risk of sort of stating the, the blooming obvious it's got to be the time if you aren't already to go back to basics to use that awful old phrase you know mm. look at the traditional warning signs so if you are if you have significant credit or supply chain risk with companies that have a persistent history of losses if they have persistent and high exceptional adjustments to profits every year if they have weak balance sheets, so it's what I think you know we, we sometimes refer to as water skier profiles, where the only thing that's keeping them, you know, the H score at any sort of sensible level, is a profit line that's disconnected from balance sheet yeah. reality. So you see that in our strengths and weaknesses profile. You can have a very quick look and you'll see that. I know, in, and, and, and you know, you, you can see them a mile off. Yeah. Uh, because because their profit line um, from 2018 may not tell you a huge amount about what they're doing at the moment. No. Um, so, and again, if there are abnormally high oddities in the balance sheet, you know, high sundry creditors, sundry debtors, all sorts of funny old figures locked away in, in current uh, assets and liabilities, mm-hmm. what's going on? If there are high levels of intangible assets in relation to net worth, yep. and if there's high gearing, now all of this would be picked up in the, in, in the H-score, but... You know, you may have a company that's got one of these features and is otherwise quite strong. Just think about what the pandemic has done to yeah. them in the meanwhile. And, and, and what, you know, sometimes I, I get back when I, you know, when I was an active insolvency practitioner and I talked to, to banks and creditors about how they kept on trading and, and, and doing business with these people. And sometimes you would get that answer back. Well, uh, you know, we, we made a lot of money out of this relationship. But and again, I would ask a sort of cynical question: um, Are you making, you know, are you able to charge high high prices and earn and, um, significant profits from these companies because you're the only person in the yeah. sector left who's still supplying them? Yeah. So you know, and also I think I don't think we we mentioned here, but the the continuity the continuity of supply. Um, yes, I'm going to come how, on to that. I'm going to come on yeah. to that because uh, you know you better get this right now because not only are you facing the, the possibility of um, uh, losses or disruption to your supply chain as these companies start to go wrong. But 
because of the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act, you may not be able to stop trading with them once they have become insolvent. So if you've got long terms, if you've got if you've got sixty day or ninety day payment terms, yes, you can't I mean, do anything about it once they've. You once cannot they've do anything about it. You're you're stuck with trading them, trading with them, whether you like it or not. And you know that is on the basis that they pay you. But what else could you be doing with 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 your um, you know with your your capacity to you could be servicing somebody else? Yeah. So um, that those are my, uh, my, my that's my take. Uh, from all of this is thank you, Rishi, for joining my bandwagon, stepping on my bandwagon, and and saying, uh, you know, there are zombie companies out there, and they may not survive. Mm. It's a real, it's a real point. I've been banging on about it for years, but nobody listens. No, I think you're right. I think we will see, and and we're, you know, we we were always expecting um, the insolvency numbers to rise, weren't we, over the coming month like, and perhaps that has been pushed out a little bit mm. you know we might get a little bit in the wrongful trading changes in October but then beyond that from December onwards of course the yep. crown preference you know a cynical person might say that <laughs> with the um with the return of crown preference um in I think it's the first of December isn't it um yes, that was it supposed, postponed it was meant to be April and, and it's it was pushed pushed back so the government will be able to take more of the um of the the pot the pot, as it were. Um, I'm conscious. I think we've we've we've, we've talked for quite quite a long time. So I I think unless is there, is there anything else that you wanted to no, I've got nothing burning else. burning issues. So as I say, I promise we we will come back to that company's house um, consultation because I think that is interesting and worth looking at more. Um, to, just to wrap up, I think what strange times we live in. We've we've had this week um, news that we're expecting an internal border in. Kent with 100 kilometers long queues to for freight across the channel and that didn't even really register on our um on our newsworthy mention so there's clearly a lot um going on a lot to take in and I think over the coming days and weeks we'll start seeing you know how this is likely to impact behavior um in terms of in terms of jobs and, and confidence so thank you very much nick for uh, an excellent um roundup and, and summary of those implications thank you all for listening and goodbye.